Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? Uh, it's great to be back, Jim. How are you? I'm good. Uh, are you enjoying some of this like warm summer weather? It's yes. so fine. Feels good to be outside and doing some work. I'm a little sore, but I'm loving it. You know, it is so beautiful out around uh, this place where we live these days, mm-hmm. but we also know that the world uh, is experiencing some sizzling headlines and a yes. lot of stress. We comprehend the convergence of events that have made all of us stop and pause and wonder, trying to figure out what's going on and what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Today we have a guest who uh, actually has been on those front lines uh, and has lived a life that makes him at the center of the story in a way these days. We're so glad to have him with us. Steve Christian, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Steve, you have been in law enforcement for a lifetime, for a career. And we are so, just so wanting to have a conversation with you to see how you're experiencing our world right now. Hey, Steve Christian, you are in uniform. You have been wearing a uniform for a long time. You worked for our local city police department for 38 years. Is that what you've told me? That's correct. Retired from that, still working uh, in enforcement. Now working in the healthcare system, yes, protecting people at the hospital, and you're at an intersection right now where the world of the pandemic is coming right to your front door at the hospital. Yes, my guess is, Steve, that you have seen a lot of things in your adult career, working as law enforcement, working in the police department, so on. That just would make my head spin. I just want to unpack some of that, but before we do that, tell us your story. Where did you come from? Where'd you grow up? I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, at 18, I came to college at what was then Anderson College and ended up getting employed by the Anderson Police Department in 1977, and I've been here ever since. And wow. Anderson uh, College, now Anderson University, Anderson, Indiana, that's where we're sitting right now, uh, really part of the Indianapolis metro these days on the northeast side. Yes. And uh, I'm hearing you say you grew up in Baltimore, came to school, and never went back. Right. <laughs> Okay, but as you uh, went through university and graduated, so on, and, and got a job with the police department, what was it about policing that drew you? I mean, what, why did you even think of that? Mm-hmm. I kind of knew early on I didn't want to sit behind a desk. Hmm. And everybody has these images and thoughts that they want to help people. And it was just something that interested me. I thought, this is not your run-of-the-mill work in the factory or work in an office job. I liked dealing with people. I had been told I had a certain degree of people skills, so I kind of pursued it. Hmm. And as you pursued it, was it easy getting in? Or um, tell me, what's it like? How do you just like, hey, I'll be a policeman, or no? (laughs) (laughs) What was the process? Well, you went through the interview process, and there was a number of tests that you had to take and that type of thing, and you went before multiple oral review boards and that type of thing. Once they offered you a job locally at that point in time, well, we still do, go to the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy for a period of time. And once you graduate the academy, if you graduate the academy, you come back, you go to work for your local department. And most places, you're on a probationary status for a year after that. Steve, when you said, this really got me, I I love what you said. Initially, I wanted to help people. And I think we often forget there's so many ways to help people. And initially, being a a law enforcement officer is helping people. And in the day and age we're in right now, I think a lot of people skip that uh, thought or that possibility. But it just 
it just blesses me and gives me even more hope to to hear people say, no, the motivation of my heart initially was to help people. I have to honestly tell you that I think the entire idea of helping people changes whenever you put on the uniform. Okay. Because it's not like what you thought it was. Yeah. And to explain to somebody who's not been a police officer what it's like is fairly difficult to do. Sure. And um, what I learned early on that probably the best way you could help people was you were a problem solver. Gotcha. The problem was you're expected to solve problems that have been building for the last 15 years mm. in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's rather difficult to do. Can right. you just show up after this emergency call and make it right? Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Wow. But did you find yourself doing that? I mean, do, do you have a memory of a moment where you thought, man, this is what I hope to do, where I actually was a problem solver. I was able to bring some remedy or some peace to the moment and this is what I dreamed of doing. Did you have a minute like that? I think that there was multiple times, especially in domestic violence situations, mm -hmm. where you were able to at least momentarily bring some peace. And the ones that I was always the most concerned about in those situations was the children mm -hmm. uh, because of the terror that was in their eyes because their world was being totally shaken apart. And I think the best thing, the, some of the best memories that I have in police work is being able to help those children. Mm. Domestic violence. Hmm. There are two words put together that are not unknown to us, but for many people, hard to comprehend. What is that really? Can you give us a, an illustration or a moment where in a domestic violence case, what do you discover? What do you walk into? You get a call. I'm guessing you're out uh, in uniform. You're supposed to respond to an address. You go there. Can you tell us what that's like? I think the problem is, is it depends on the type of situation. I've walked into domestic violence situations that it was basically just verbal. It was a matter of getting people in neutral corners and reasoning with them and maybe, you know, hey, maybe you need to leave for the evening and right. that type of thing. And there was some resolve. Then I've walked into them that were exceptionally violent mm. and the violence is turned instead of on each other, on to the police. Right. I mean, right. there was multiple times that I got cut a couple of times and had somebody cut my, try to cut my throat out with a steak knife, and it was the female that had called the police because her husband was beating her. Right. They're very unpredictable. Right. right. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that brings me to another, just wow. a, you know, like yeah. a wow moment, because when you go to work every day, mm -hmm. you're never certain what's going to come down the road. I mean, every day is an adventure of a kind. It might be a peaceful day, might not have many calls. On another day, someone's coming at you with a steak knife. I mean, how do you yeah. how do you cope with that? How do you, is that something you got up every day and you and and you wake up and think, man, I'm in for the adventure, or like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Well, I was going to say, Jim, I I know you're a pastor. I'm a pastor. We've had some rough days. Nobody's ever tried to cut my neck with a steak knife, even if I, you know, during a service or during counseling. So, but but well, you know, that's that's where that's where perspective comes in. I mean, that's exactly right. It's when you leave for work, it is a calling. It's a calling. How do you cope with it? Yeah. Day by day, myself personally, my faith had a tremendous amount to do with it. You don't think about the fact whenever you leave home that you might not come back. 
in the back of your mind, yes, it's a reality, but you don't dwell on it. You can't dwell on it. You couldn't do your job. You couldn't function if you thought like that because you would be so paranoid. You would be afraid to do anything. Because one of the things that people don't understand is, is whenever the gunshots start ringing out, the police are the only ones that are running toward those gunshots, not away from them. And you've got to be clear-headed in those type of situations. Can you recall a moment, Steve, uh, working as a police officer where you just thought, my life could be over just now? Or you just, that was in your head and you thought, uh-oh, this could be it? Yeah, the, it was in the summer of probably 1978. It was a very hot summer. There was a lot of racial tension going on. We drove down the road and a beer bottle goes flying through the wind and hits my partner turn around and go back down the other way and a brick comes flying through the back window. And then as we stopped calling for help, we were being shot at out of the dark and you didn't know where it was coming from. And that brings us to the present hour, doesn't it? What's your sense as a police officer? Did you find yourself uh, looking at every person insofar as you were able as, as uh, unique and uh, equal value? Or did you find yourself in moments thinking, man, I don't know if I can trust this people. Or, or are you on more on edge in certain places? I mean, how would you describe the present controversies about policing and race? Did you experience any of that? One of the first things that I would say is, and if you would ask my wife, whom you know, she would definitely agree with this. As a police officer, you don't trust very many people because what you've learned through your experiences with people, is that there's people out there that want to hurt you, and you don't really know who you can trust and who you can't trust. I believe that most police officers, to the best of their ability, try to look at everyone the same. But I'm also honest enough and realistic enough with you to tell you that that's impossible. Am I hearing you say, Steve, that uh, your history and experience as a police officer each day builds on the next, and ultimately we have a frame of reference. We're all informed by our journey and experience that would cause you in the moment to have to make some judgments, and those might be prejudged in a way because of what you've known before. In the split second, it's hard to just be as completely objective as you might want to be because that's the nature of life. Absolutely. Your, your decisions that you make are going to be based on your past experiences. Is there a way to overcome that? Is there a way to to manage that, or as you, a person of integrity and principle, realizes that reality, how do you go forward, or how have you gone forward to try and be your best and the most objective that you can be? Are there things you have uh, tried to work on or expand your horizons of knowledge? I think I try to consistently remind myself that no two people are the same, that we can't judge someone based on their ethnicity, their skin color, or anything else. Hmm. I believe there's times that we fall back into that because what's happening is, is we're not thinking, we're reacting. Mm -hmm. But I believe that you have to make a conscious effort to do it. I also think expanding your circle of friends to include people that don't look like you mm -hmm. helps an awful lot. And I also believe that my personal faith 
because I keep reminding myself, it says that we're all made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. You've talked, Steve, about your faith. You've mentioned it uh, a couple times in our conversation today. Tell us about that. Uh, I was raised going to church. My parents took me to church, and I would say that at an early age, I made a decision. But I will also tell you that through my teenage years, I fell away in a rather significant manner. And the truth is, is it wasn't until I went through a very difficult time in my life, early on, whenever I was on the police department and uh, was wrestling with alcoholism and thoughts that life really wasn't worth living and uh, that I knew it was kind of a now or never situation. I was either going to really let go of my life and let God have control or basically I wasn't going to be around for too long. And that's whenever I really believe that I made the decision at a different level. One thing that struck me in the present debate in our public square is that police officers have, you might say, responsibilities, but also privileges or rights that most people don't have. In an altercation, a police officer has the capacity by law to use a, a firearm, for instance, for the public interest in a way that I, as an individual, as a civilian out of uniform, wouldn't have that kind of thing. But because of that, that level of of power that just comes with a role in the moment, not in all of life, but in the moment. A police officer can wield by law power that other people cannot. That character becomes such an important a factor in how that is used. And would you say that's fair, Steve, and that, that your own framing of your life by the lens of Christ differentiated from other adult years when you weren't so concerned about that? I believe that that's fair. But I think it's interesting that you would say privileges and rights, and I, from my perspective, would say awesome responsibility. Yes, mm -hmm. right. Backbreaking responsibility, responsibility that you really wished you didn't have a lot of times. Absolutely. I, I can comprehend that. In fact, I'd say every privilege, and, and maybe that's a charged word just now, but every privilege that we have where I'm able to exercise uh, a response or a reaction or be proactive that I have requires responsibility. And when you have the capacity in a life and death situation, wow, the responsibility you would carry would just be crushing for most ordinary folks, that's my guess. As you made a decision at a deeper level as an adult than you did originally as a young person to follow Jesus, uh, I know that you have embraced the scripture Steve, as an authoritative voice of God in your life? And is there a part of that scripture to some place in the Bible that you have turned to or who has been a foundation for you as you have been in a very challenging role, one that's been fulfilling and has done so much good, but still realizing this day could be a day where I'm in a mess up that have huge consequences? I mean, is there something outside of the police manual, the guidelines, uh, just the, the social custom from the scripture that you stand on? My favorite chapter in the Bible is Romans 8, and the whole chapter is totally rich with wisdom, but where it talks about not being able to be separated from the love of God. 
that's something that comes to your mind maybe yes in a tough spot as well as an easy day this is what it says this is romans chapter 8 it's the apostle paul writing and he's writing to the church at rome but he's writing to all of us i think under the inspiration of the spirit he says can anything ever separate us from christ's love i am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from god's love neither death nor life nor angels nor demons Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. As you're listening today, maybe you'd like to know more about that Jesus and how he can intersect with your life. No matter what your calling or vacation, maybe you are in law enforcement today and you're wondering what's going to happen to me today or tomorrow. And you've heard Steve talk about a foundation stone that the love of God can transcend our circumstances and those moments. Maybe you are afraid of the police because you've had some difficult moments with them and you hold them responsible for whatever happened to you. But you've also heard that the love of God can transcend and change, can empower for the good. Maybe you don't care anything about policing, but you are struggling in your own life, or maybe you are not struggling, but still Jesus. There's something about that name that's uh, just stirring in you. We want to invite you to join us in a prayer to open up the door of your heart, just to see, to learn, to wonder, to explore. Would you do that with us? Our Father, we are so thankful that you are a God of love and that you are defined by your love. And we're thankful, Lord, for people who love enough to lay their lives on the line like so many policemen and women do. We're thankful, Lord, for those who are joining us in this prayer. We pray, Lord, that we will find Jesus in the mix of the headlines, of the difficulties, of the challenges, of the mistakes, of the gaffes, of the lives lost and injured and wounded on every side of the questions. We pray that we will find your love and learn how we ourselves can be transformed by it and become instruments in your hands to bring peace, to bring justice, to bring life. We know, Lord, that that requires us to surrender and to surrender to you. And today, for anyone who's joining us in this prayer, Lord, who isn't surrendered, I pray that you'll just open the door of their heart so they will be willing to explore what that might mean. And for everyone who is surrendered, we pray that they'll be encouraged to stay the course. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus that we have talked about, maybe you'd like to know more about this interview and you've got some questions, we would just so love to hear from you anytime. Give us a call. This number is toll-free. It's 24 hours a day and seven days a week with a live person at the other end of the phone, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Please give us a call. But Jay, I know that there are some people who, well, they may not just want to get into a phone conversation yet, but they are still wanting more. How could they find us online? Jim, they can easily do that at www dot cbhviewpoint.org. cbhviewpoint.org. Check it out online. Send us an email. We will reply. Maybe you're even accessing this conversation 
online, and if you are, you can just send us a message through the Facebook feed. We will be watching, I promise. At the last, you could just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, send us a social media post, or use the post office, hey, we are so in to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Steve, mm-hmm. for your lifetime for the common good. Yes. I know you, and I know that you have put your life out there for us, and mm-hmm. we thank you for it. And we thank you for tuning in today. We pray that you'll be blessed this week and that you'll join us again next week as we continue our conversations. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.